Peter had with Jesus just before Jesus ascended. Him and Jesus were talking, and, and it was very, very important to Jesus that Peter do something for him. And that was feed his sheep, feed my sheep. And what I feel is the book of Peter are, are little tidbits of information that really makes our lives a little clearer, the direction that we're going in a little bit clearer. So let's ask God to pray, or let's pray this morning and ask God to be with my voice and the message this morning. Dear God, thank you so much for your word, how it steers us clearly in the right direction regularly, Lord. I pray that you would help us to um, study it and to memorize it, to learn, to, to want to know what you have to say to us. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. At 4 p.m. on May the 12th, 1948, President Harry S. Truman met with his advisors in the Oval Office. People of note present that day were Secretary of State and General George C. Marshall, White House lawyer Clark Clifford, and a handful of other counselors and advisors. They were exactly 50 hours away from the birth of a new, unnamed Middle Eastern nation. One by one, the advisors gave reasons to Truman why he should not recognize this tiny nation, Secretary of State Marshall being the most adamant. Only lawyer Clark Clifford gave bold reasons in support of Truman's position to recognize this independent nation. Over the next two days, there was tough debate and discussion, and in the end, General Marshall said that while he could not support the decision, he would not oppose it. So on May 14, 1948, at 6.11 p.m., Truman's press secretary read these words. The government has been informed that a Jewish state has been proclaimed in Palestine. After a little while, the U.S. recognizes the provisional government as de facto authority in the new state of Israel. The authority of the President of the United States what is authority? Why is it there? What is authority? Why is it there in our lives? You'll remember right back from Genesis chapter 1, God starts out by taking all of the chaos, gathering it, excuse me, into one. Is there any chance somebody can grab a glass of water for me? If I could just keep here. Thank you. <clears throat> God takes all of the chaos of the initial creation, shall we say, and he organizes it into order. He brings into order all that is there. In Exodus chapter 18, now we're skipping ahead a little bit to the, uh, to the story of, of human beings on earth. Sorry, I got to do this. <laughs> Thanks, my man. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, gets together and has a meeting with Moses, and he says, Moses, you're bringing all of this people, hundreds of thousands of people, from out of Egypt in through the desert, and you're trying to solve everybody's problem. Why don't you get the group together, set up the people in groups of thousands, 
hundreds, fifties, and tens. And in here, he's starting to organize a bit of an authority, of a, of a, of a hierarchy of authority there. So you can see from the beginning that this is God's way. This is God's plan for us. Let's look at, uh, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll start reading at verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. These are words from Peter that encourage us to live the life that God wants us to live. Let's look at verse 14 for a minute. The governors who are going to set up a system of punishing those who do wrong and commending those who do right. This seems to be God's plan for us. If you read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, uh, you will read that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, the powers, the principalities of the air, against spiritual forces in dark places. So even in the spiritual realm, there is a hierarchy of authority. God, of course, being the highest authority, he is the authority. Under him are the angels, and then we come down in here somewhere. Satan is in the world, and he is the prince of the power of the air. He is our enemy. However, greater is he that is in us, God, than he that is in the world. So we can see that this... Um, this, this order or this authority is part of the creation. Essentially, we are on a stage where authority is the way that we are going to live out our lives. Whoever you are, you will be under somebody's authority at some point or possibly in charge of somebody at some point. Authority is the way we have been set up. And once again, it's like the stage that we live our lives on. Our lives are like a play that we live out on a stage. And that stage is within the boundaries of authority. And talking with some of the people this morning, one of the things that they noticed, a couple of people came up to me and said, boy, have I got a story for you about so-and-so who was in charge of me at some point. And it was a disaster. It wasn't very well at all. Yeah, that's the way it goes sometimes. And I know there are people in here this morning who have stories just like that. Yeah, but you don't know the authority I was under. And I also want to say at this point, and I've talked to the pastors about this, that there are some pretty evil, notorious authorities in this world on occasion. And if you are in a situation or a spot where there is abuse 
then we, you need to get help. You need to, to get help. And the pastors will be available if somebody needs to come and talk to one of them today about that. So this is the stage, basically, that has been set up for us by God. You are under a structure of authority. Scripture says, Submit yourselves to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or the governor. Okay? He's talking about authorities. Now, the word submit, when I think of the word submit in this day and age, and of course, being a, a, a male, I love to watch MMA, mixed martial arts. I love to watch two guys in the best shape that they can possibly get in to see who can win. I just like it. And what the, the, the key word there is to submit your opponent. In other words, to beat him, to make him lose to you. That is the connotation of the word submit in this day and age that I think of first and foremost all the time. But that is not what this says here. This word submit comes from a Greek word. It means to slide under. It means to place voluntarily yourself under. It contains the connotation of respect, understanding, purposely placing yourself underneath, not changing who God has made you to be. This is not doormat syndrome. This doesn't mean that you lose and the authority wins all the time. This is taking your God-given personality, your gifts and abilities, and purposely placing yourself underneath the authority of someone else. Or, possibly, you are in a situation where you are the authority over somebody. That's the connotation going on here. And I'm reminded of a story from um, the... Uh, the uh, Alpha class that we took some years ago here at the church. The story of Gibbo. Some of you will remember this story if you've taken the, the, um, the Alpha class. Gibbo was a man who was hired by a man named Gordon Selfridge who ran a department store, and I think he even owned the department store in Britain. And he hired Gibbo as a clerk in his office. And one day the phone rang, and Gibbo picked up the phone and it was for Mr. Selfridge. And Gibbo said, sir, the phone is for you. And Mr. Selfridge said, tell him I'm busy. And then Gibbo looked and handed him the phone, his boss, and he said, you tell him. So Mr. Selfridge took the phone and he was quite, as the British would say, cross with Gibbo. And uh, he, he, after he got off the phone, he was quite angry with Gibbo. And so he said, whatever he said, and Gibbo said, sir... If I can lie for you, then I can lie to you. And I'm not going to do that. And from that day, Gibbo became one of the most trusted employees at Gordon Selfridge's store. Be who you are in submission under the authorities that are in the authority over you because you do not know where God is taking you or the person in authority over you. You don't know his plan. But I can tell you one thing for sure. And think of your situation for a minute. Who is in authority over you? God is not surprised. God is not confused. And God is not unsure 
about where you are and who is in authority over you or who is under your authority. God is not confused. And I know there's some of you this morning that have some, some pretty crazy stories about this situation in your life. But let's look, continue to look at what Scripture says. So we have submit yourselves to every authority instituted among men. There's the command. There's the command. I mean, argue with it if we want to, but that's what Scripture says. That's what Scripture wants us to do. Now, have we, have I, rightly divided the Word of God? Have I taken everything out of this passage that I can? There's the command. Does it not say that? When Pastor Aaron asked me to speak, he said, can you speak on this passage where, you ha- where we're, we're to submit to earthly authority? I said, okay, I got that. I think I can do that. It was a tough study too, by the way. So there it is. There's the command all wrapped up. Did we cover it? No. Let's go back and read the verse again. Let's go back and read it again. Verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. What does that mean? Because this changes everything. This takes the focus off of me and my gain and puts it on the Lord. This is a purpose for God. This is, a, this is a great truth. Whenever you add the term for the Lord's sake to a command, it changes the trajectory of where we have to go with it completely. Oh, okay. This doesn't really have to do with me all that much. It has to do with God. Let's look at this. When you add the statement or the phrase for the Lord's sake, this takes the command of Scripture and turns it into an opportunity. When we take the term for the Lord's sake and we add it to this verse, this takes the stage of authority, that's where we live, that's how we do life, and it turns it into a mission field. It completely changes the meaning of the verse itself. What do I mean? Well, last week, Pastor Aaron spoke on the cornerstone. Some of you may remember what he said. He talked about Jesus being the cornerstone, the very cornerstone of the foundation of our faith. And he said that we are living stones. What does that mean? It means that we are Christ in this day and age. We are Christ on the stage of life. We take the words of Scripture, we take Jesus, we take who He is, and we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, do our best to be that living stone for the Lord's sake. We submit to those in authority so that God can use both parties for His purpose, for the Lord's sake. Two weeks ago, Pastor Pastor Aaron preached on holiness. Be holy for I am holy, it says in 1 Peter 1.15. This is God's 
desire for us. This is God's plan. If, any, if, if we could say anything of what God's will for, for our life is, we can say that God's will for us is to be holy as Christ is holy. This is where we take our holiness and apply it to the stage of life. You take it every day with you to wherever you go, whether you have teachers, whether you have parents, your supervisor, your boss, your governments, those in authority over you. This is where we take this. Scripture specifically tells us to pray for those in authority over us. I'll take one minute to mention one more thing. How do we pray for those in power over us? How do we pray for the governments? How do we pray for our leaders in the church? How do we pray for our boss, our supervisor? When I was 19 years old, at our church, there was a movie playing. I'm so thankful to God that this, somebody made the movie about the life of Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China. He had nothing, very little support, no help, but he went to China anyways. I believe this was in the 1800s, early 1900s. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but it was a long time ago. Um, Hudson Taylor had nothing. Hudson Taylor didn't have any backing, but he went anyways to preach the gospel, to take the gospel to the people of China. And he came up with a motto because he had no money. He had no support. And he came up with a motto, and I remember this. Thank you, Lord, that, that I could memorize this. His motto to pray for money was this, and, and I believe that it can follow for praying for the leaders of our country, of our province, of our city, the leaders of our church. God bless them. This was his motto. Learn to move man through God by prayer. Learn to move man through God by prayer. One of the greatest weapons that we have, or let's, let's not call it a weapon, let's call it a tool. One of the greatest gifts and assets that we have is to be able to sit down, hands folded, and say, God, we've got some crazy things happening with the governments. Will you lead them? Will you guide them? You are praying for somebody, and, and you're, you're, you're taking a bold step to do that. Hudson Taylor did this so he wouldn't have to go and say, excuse me, sir, can you help me out here with, with a little cash while I do my, my ministry work? I love the fact that he went into his closet and he prayed that God would move men through prayer and women. Three weeks ago, Pastor Brian spoke on suffering as a Christian. And I, I got to be honest with you, I, I don't have a lot of that going on in my life. However, there have been times when Christianity has been raked over the coals where I work or who, with who I deal with, and I have had to stand up for myself. There will be times when we will suffer for our faith because this is for the Lord's sake, because we are demonstrating Christ 
on the stage of life, because we are striving to be holy, there are times when we are going to suffer for that. These are all words of Peter in the, the, the series that we're studying right now. And it is the reality of life. When we choose to live life on stage and deal with authorities, the ones in authority over us, for the Lord's sake, our focus changes. We are asked to submit to the authorities in our lives because we don't know where God's taking us. This is not doormat syndrome. This is not you lose. Authorities win. This is be who you are and help them help us. That's what I see here. Part of it. Okay. So some of us, and I know some of us have some real tough times with, with the ones in authority over us. I understand that. And I can't know your story. But remember, hold, like, hold on to this. Hold on to the fact that God is not surprised, confused, or unsure about where you are. Hold on to him and invite him to lead and guide you as you do this. But just say, what's in it for me? What's, what, what's in this for me if, if I do this? A lot of times when I need to see or when I need an answer for my own life, for my own situation, and life is full of tons of situations on the stage of life, you know, where we do life. Tons of different situations. Whenever I run into struggles, I often will go back and tap into the experiences of a biblical character to see what they did, to see how God moved in their lives. And the older that I get, the character that keeps cropping up, or the characters, depends how you look at it, is the nation of Israel. Boy, do I ever see my life mirrored, mirrored in what they went through in their existence, even to this day. So let's go back in their history just very, very briefly. First of all, we know the story how they grew up in Egypt. They were led out of Egypt into the desert, through the desert, and into the promised land. And there they dwelt for hundreds and hundreds of years. During that time, uh, they each had their own story. All of the people had their own story. Um, they, they lived, they grew, they obeyed God, they disobeyed God. Back and forth they went. Until it came time about 725 B.C., something like that, when the Assyrians moved in and started to, to take over. They started to uh, fight some battles. And what the Assyrians did is they took some of them and moved them to their own country. It's called, they were in exile. Probably 50 years later, something like that, the Babylonian Empire grew, took over the area, and they, through King Nebuchadnezzar, moved into Israel as well, took more people, took them out from the friendly authority that they knew and moved them off into a different authority. In his book, A Survey of Israel's History, Leon Wood says, Judah was now a province of Babylon. She no longer had her own king, but was ruled by a governor appointed by a foreign authority. Maybe that's somebody's story here. 
Maybe you were doing just well over here under the authority you were under, and for some reason, unexplained to you, now you're over here under this authority who doesn't have a clue what they're doing. I bet there's some. I'll bet there's some that that's your exact story. God is not surprised. God is not confused, and God is not unsure of what's going on in your life. He is very, very much in control. During this time of exile, during this time when the nation of Israel, with every different personality connected there, aggressive, passive, uh, strong, weak, all of these different personalities, so it doesn't matter what type of personality you have, We're all included in the same boat. This is the same pattern for all of us. Sometimes we get moved to a different authority that we don't know why, or maybe somebody's brought in under your authority and you don't know why because they don't know what they're doing. Maybe that's your story. To find yourself under another authority. This is where the nation of Israel found themselves. I'm just going to read a little bit to you from Jeremiah chapter 29. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jeremiah 29 is a letter to the people who suddenly found themselves under a different foreign authority who wasn't maybe so friendly. God, what are you doing? What's happening to me? Why am I in this position? Why is so-and-so under me or over me? I don't understand. There are going to be times when we don't understand what's going on. What is God's purpose for this? We may not know. I may not know. But this is the words of the prophet Jeremiah, of God through the prophet Jeremiah to the people in this predicament. God says in verse 11 of Jeremiah 29, most of you, some of you know this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Seek me with your whole heart. This is what happens when you take the command and you insert for the Lord's sake into the command. When you read the Old Testament, When you go through the Ten Commandments, when you see all the do's and don'ts in Scripture and you add the term for the Lord's sake, it completely changes it. The command becomes an opportunity. The stage in which you live your life becomes a mission field. How great is that? How good is that? Book of 1 Peter. When you are thrust into a situation where you don't know what God is doing with the authority in your life. Isn't it a great thing to know that all of God's army is right behind you? 
We might not know what God is doing. It might not be your children that understand what God is doing. It might be your grandchildren that understand why dad or mom was in the position that they were in, in that position under that authority. I don't know. God knows. He is not confused, surprised, or unsure of why you are where you are. To me, that's just a great, great truth. In the year 1890, at the age of six, his parents moved him from the farm they were living on to Independence, Missouri, to attend the Presbyterian Sunday School there. Here he would learn to read and write underneath the authority of the Sunday School teachers that he had. There he also learned about the Bible and biblical characters. He was also known to help out his Jewish neighbors by doing tasks for them on the Sabbath as their religion forbid them to work on that day. It was here as a young man he learned about the Jews, and as he grew up, he held a soft spot for them in his heart. So it was easy on May 14, 1948, when President Harry S. Truman cast his deciding vote to recognize the nation of Israel. He felt great satisfaction knowing that he had helped the Jewish people. Sometime later on a visit to the White House, the chief rabbi of Israel, Yitzhak Halevi Herzog, said to him, God put you in your mother's womb so that you would be the instrument to bring about the rebirth of Israel after 2,000 years. An account from Truman's assistant said later that he could see the tears in Truman's eyes. We don't know why our leaders are our leaders, but God does. When we live life for God's sake, for the Lord's sake, the command becomes an opportunity and our stage becomes our mission field.